Good morning, church. How are y'all doing? Awesome. We are in this series called Necessary Endings. Anybody have a necessary ending last week? Ooh, one. Keep your hands up so I can see. Yes. You had a necessary ending. Yes. Yes. Sometimes necessary endings are when you let go of something that keeps you from grabbing on to Christ. Now, if you think back to last week, was there something that you had to let go of so that you could see Christ a little clearer? You don't have to raise your hands. I want you to think about that. Sometimes when we talk about necessary endings, it's because we are so blinded, the veil is so thick. We're so caught up into what we're holding on to that we can't see what's on the other side. And what God is often calling us to do is to let go so he can raise up that veil and show us what we need to grab onto. This summer, the Lytles had a great vacation. We got to go out to um, California. We saw some. It wasn't just because of California. We got to go out west and we spent time with friends. And some of these friends have been my friends for 20 plus years. And they've become my wife's friends. And our children got to get together and it was like a little family reunion, but they never really met the family. And they had a great time. And one of the things, my good buddy Matt, he is an outdoor adventurer. adventurer. So he loves going outdoors. He has... When they drove in, he had a pickup truck. The back had a camper on it. It was literally packed full of every kind of gear you could think of. Paddle boards that you had to blow up. Um, bicycles, extra bicycles for just in case there were more people than what he thought. Just so that everyone could have an adventure, right? Rope climbing gear. So we got to go on an adventure of rock climbing, and I mean real rock climbing, this pack of gear that I was saying, oh, I'll take it, was like 80 pounds. <laughs> and I thought the little hike to the cliff face that we we're going to was just going to be like a little jot. <laughs> like, put it on, walk up about 20 meters, and then you're done. This was walk up a mountain, and about halfway through, I said, uh, if anyone wants to take this, <laughs> I don't think I'm going to make it. We won't even get to the climbing part. I'm done. I'm going to be like taking a nap. So we went up climbing, and we got a photo of this. This was me on the, the rock face, so this was legitimate. We weren't talking about just a little face like this. This was out with ropes, my friend Matt had to free climb some of this so that he could get a rope secured for the rest of us. I assured him we'd take care of his children if he didn't make it. <laughs> now, the important thing about rock climbing, I don't know how many of you have done rock climbing, but there's some key things that you need to know. And one of the things is that you have a rope on, and the rope is there for safety in case you slip. Have an accident, right? 
well, you get caught by the rope. What people often do, though, in rock climbing is that they hold on to the rope. And when you hold on to the rope, when you're trying to go up the rock face, it makes it very difficult. You're kind of like this the whole time. And until you let go of the rope and you actually grab onto the rock, you really can't go anywhere. And so as we are talking to our kids about what they need to do, get them ready to do this rock climbing, they're going through the special things that they need to remember. And one of the things is make sure you're grabbing onto the rock. We've got you. We've got you. You grab on the rock and you, you can go up there. Well, we had done some practicing because we're members over at Momentum, so we do indoor rock climbing, right? The kids had that, but they never experienced the rope. And what they started to do is they grab onto the rope, and they couldn't go anywhere. Well, I think this is what was happening to many of the Jewish people of the day. And I don't know if you guys have the story queued up, but let's take a listen to the story. Acts chapter 13. One day, as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. So after more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. So Barnabas and Saul were sent out by the Holy Spirit. They went down to the seaport of Seleucia and then sailed for the island of Cyprus. There, in the town of Salamis, they went to the Jewish synagogues and preached the word of God. Paul and Barnabas traveled inland to Antioch of Pisidia. On the Sabbath, they went to the synagogue for the services. After the usual readings from the books of Moses and the prophets, those in charge of the service sent them this message. Brothers, if you have any word of encouragement for the people, come and give it. So Paul stood, lifted his hands to quiet them, and started speaking. As Paul and Barnabas left the synagogue that day, the people begged them to speak about these things again the next week. Many Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, and the two men urged them to continue to rely on the grace of God. The following week, almost the entire city turned out to hear them preach the word of the Lord. But when some of the Jews saw the crowds, they were jealous, so they slandered Paul and argued against whatever he said. Then Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly and declared, It was necessary that we first preach the word of God to you Jews, but since you have rejected it and judged yourselves unworthy of eternal life, we will offer it to the Gentiles. For the Lord gave us this command when he said, I have made you a light to the Gentiles, to bring salvation to the farthest corners of the earth. When the Gentiles heard this, they were very glad and thanked the Lord for his message. And all who were chosen for eternal life became believers. So the Lord's message spread throughout that region. Then the Jews stirred up the influential religious women and the leaders of the city, and they incited a mob against Paul and Barnabas and ran them out of town. So they shook the dust from their feet as a sign of rejection and went to the town of Iconium. And the believers were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. So what's happening to the Jewish people is that they loved the security of the law. The law for them was the rope. And what Paul was saying is, let go of this rope and grab on to Jesus. Because he's actually your salvation. He's going to change your world. He's going to give you a new perspective. 
He's going to bring peace and hope. But this is all they knew. This is all they knew. And yet it was exciting enough that they thought, maybe, maybe I should let go and grab on to what Paul is talking about. We're in Acts chapter 13 today. So if you want to turn to Acts chapter 13, you can do that. We're going to be in verses in the later part of the chapter in verse 38. I'm going to read from that right now. Brothers, listen. We are here. This is Paul talking to the Jewish people. We are here to proclaim that through this man, Jesus, there is forgiveness for your sins. Everyone who believes in him is made right in God's sight. Something the law of Moses could never do. Be careful. Don't let the prophet's words apply to you. For they said, look, you mockers, be amazed and die, for I am doing something in your own day, something you wouldn't believe even if someone told you about it. Now, the reaction from the people is that they got a little excited and thought, we want to hear more. And the way I see this, it's kind of like my kids who, when they let go of the rope, they started to climb, and they started to get really excited. Like Aaliyah, she just started going up that thing. And, of course, we're a little competitive, if you didn't know that, as a family. And so I don't remember the actual order of each of the kids, but they all wanted to beat each other. And it was really imperative that the older ones were not out-climbed by the younger ones. And it was really important to my son that he would beat his big sister. And it was really important to Breezy that none of them would beat her. And there was one simple instruction. Let go of the rope, grab onto the rock, and keep going. Without fail, as soon as the obstacles of the climb started to get a little bit sketchy, what would they do? They would grab the rope. What would happen to their body? They'd start going like this. And we'd say, grab on the rock. No! <laughs> grab on the rock. No! I want down. I want down. Everything was going well for this Jewish community. When they first heard the words of Paul, they were so excited. They said, come back and please tell us more about this Jesus. This is something different from what we've heard before. This message is bringing some life to us. We want more. And within hours, they went home. They're ready to come back the next day, hear more about who Paul was, who this guy Jesus he's talking about was. But something happened in that in-between time, and I would say obstacles of life. Perhaps family members said, if you believe in this Jesus, you're out, you're out. Or maybe they looked and around at their possessions and they said, Will these all be taken away? Will we be persecuted like we've heard Paul be persecuted for his faith in this 
Jesus? Is it worth it? Some of them felt like it was. And so they let go of that rope and they started grabbing onto the rock and they were ready to hear more. They were ready to move forward. Others came back and said, we need to totally get out of this and grab back onto that rope. Now, Zach was this way when he was climbing. That was me giving encouraging words. <laughs> Sometimes. Sometimes it was like, don't grab the rope. <laughs> we told you that like five times already. Because I wanted them to see. I wanted them to get up there. I, it wasn't just because I wanted them to learn rock climbing. I wanted them to experience what did it look like to be all the way up to the top of that rock face. And to, and to experience, I can do it. I did it. I saw it. But he got about that far, and there's this little section in there that you have to kind of just trust that you, your body can do it. And you have to trust the rope that it's going to hold you, even if you fall. And you have to kind of let go and then grab up. And he was like, I'm not doing that. And at that point, he said, I don't care if Breezy beat me. I don't care if Aaliyah beat me. I don't care if Amari beat me. I don't care. I want down. And he rejected the climb completely. And he said, I'm done. Now, I'm not just going to pick on him because guess who also had that problem? So I got up, and there's a part right before you get to the precipice where there's this little ledge. And my good buddy Matt said, whatever you do, when you get up there, don't go on that ledge. It looks like a good, good spot. It looks safe. Because but you'll get in there, and then you will not be able to get back out. Or you're going to have to kind of like free fall a little bit and then come back up. So I'm climbing, and I'm like, I carried that bag. And now I'm going to reach the top. I'm only five feet, five, maybe ten feet away from the top. And the ledge appears. And I look at that and I go, I'm tired. That's a nice little sitting spot. <laughs> I'm just, and Matt, he's just not like me. He's not as good as me. I can get in there and get back out. So, of course, I got onto the ledge. I sat there, took a breath, and was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to make it to the top. Then I went to get back out, and the rope was holding me. And I thought, um, I need a little more slack. And so they gave me a little more slack, and I said, no, don't give me that much slack. Because you're looking down, and you're really looking down. And all of a sudden, I said... I want down. <laughs> I'm done. I'm done. And I grabbed onto that rope and I started repelling back down and I didn't make it to the top. I didn't make it to the top because I didn't listen to my friend and I grabbed onto the rope. Like the people that Paul was speaking to, 
I didn't believe. Paul's response to the people was this. Then Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly and declared, It was necessary that we first preach the word of God to you Jews. But since you've rejected it and judged yourselves unworthy of eternal life, we will offer it to the Gentiles. Now this is a hard word, right? It's not a word we want preached to us. Because you've rejected it, it will be given to someone else. Man, we don't want to hear that. Because you've rejected Jesus, he will be given to someone else. What are some things we retreat to that keep us from moving forward? Take a moment, just think. What are some things that you retreat to? retreat to that keep you from moving forward with Jesus. I picked out just a few things. One is shame. Think about some areas in your life where you have shame on your heart. Shame can be translated this way, an area of your life that you don't believe God has really forgiven you. An area of your life that you really don't believe God has forgiven you and you're stuck. This keeps you from grabbing onto him because you don't feel like you should even be near him. We've all done something that's shameful. But for some of us, Satan grabs onto that shame and just paints a picture and puts it right here. And that's the veil we see. And until God takes that away, we can't see how to move forward with him. And we're stuck. Another thing is fear. And this could possibly be defined as we don't really believe that God will protect and provide for us. So you don't take that risk because you're fearful. So how does this relate to the people of the story? Absolutely. If we believe in Jesus, will we lose everything? Or do we believe that he will provide for us? The resources that we manage for God are his. But too often we step in and go, wait a minute, what if I lose it? Our lives are his. And we often go into scarcity mode instead of seeing God as a God of abundance. Who says, Jesus says this, remember? That if he can provide for the birds of the field, then surely he can provide for you. But fear often keeps us from, we hold on to the rope of my stuff. 
instead of grabbing onto the rock of Christ and saying, he'll provide. He'll do it. The last one that I thought about was pride. This is probably, this is the big downfall, right? This is where we don't believe we need God. And none of us good people here would ever say that. But I often see that that's when our fall is about to happen. Now, I was on that ledge, probably a little prideful. Most likely prideful. Oftentimes, we are always on that ledge. This last week, it was pointed out to me very clearly. God spoke. We talked about a Kairos moment, and it hit me. And I was like, oh. Because it wasn't a good Kairos, like, oh. It was a, oh. It wasn't, oh, I'm, I'm really getting close to what the kingdom of God looks like. It was, oh, I'm really far from the kingdom of God. We were talking about what we need to do, and I started to realize that I don't like asking for help. Like, I'll help other people, but when it comes to me, I can figure it out, or I can work harder, I can pray more, I can become better. I don't like asking for help. Does anyone, does anyone share that with me? Okay, see? I don't like it. I would rather figure it out myself. And then when it's all done, I never had to ask for help and I actually did it. And often I've usually approached tithing with all of us here you go don't stop listening tithing with all of us as something that's good for us and our family it's good for you it's good for us because it helps us to see a very practical practical way of trusting in God that as I give more of the resources he's already given me as I give more of that back I I learn to depend on him. I learned to depend on his providence, his abundance, and not my own. And I want to share that with you, and I often talk to you, I don't care what you give, oikos is fine, things are good. This is about you and your spiritual relationship with the Father, with Jesus. That as you give, it will grow your faith. Absolutely. It will invite you into deeper areas with him. But what I realized is that I haven't said this. Oikos needs your help. I don't want to say that. Because I like to say, I'm a positive person, usually. I like to say, things are good. 
but we're $20,000 behind our budget in our plan giving. That's the reality. Now, I like to say, but we paid all our bills. I like to say that so I don't have to ask for help. I like to go into our own finances and go, oh, well, Sarah and I will just give more. And even though we can't make up that difference, we're just going to give more. So I can figure it out. But the reality is, we're behind. And so I'm asking for help. We have about $400,000 that we have in debt, if you didn't all know that. A good 150 of that is interest-free. But we owe it. The other part is that we have air conditioning and heating. And I'll, I know that when we didn't have air conditioning and heating, many of you were like, I'm not sure if I'm coming today. Because <laughs> it's either 90 degrees and they don't have air conditioning, or it, it's 50. <laughs> and that means it's going to be 60 in here. I'm going to freeze. Part of that is that. These things, though, I would love to have paid off. Why would I like them paid off? Because then it opens up areas for ministry in other ways. I can look at how can we make sure that we plant 100 churches in the next five years. I can look at how can we make sure that we have the resources to push forward 1,000 MCs in the next five years? How can we make the next five years a multiple effect of our first five? But I need your help. And I hate saying that because I much rather, our first three years at Oikos, it was really cool to be able to go, we are over and above our budget. Giving is beyond what we thought but it's not now now you can take that one or two ways you can either shut down and go <sighs> talking about money exactly what the church is always doing or you can take this as a sincere plea from your pastor I'm asking you to help in making sure Oikos can do everything that you want it to do. But even more importantly, that Oikos will do everything that God has asked us to do. Shame, fear, pride. Keeps us holding on to this rope instead of grabbing on to Jesus. Grabbing on to the things that we know instead of the things that we don't know. It often keeps us from simply believing. And as a people of God, we are called to believe. And this means in all areas, in our relationships, in the work that we do each day, in the money that we manage, we are called to believe. Believe in Jesus, who has given us more than we could ever account for. 
So will we believe? Ultimately, that's the question, right? So whether I'm talking about our current finances at Oikos or I'm talking about planting 100 churches, I mean, some of you are probably like, there he goes, and that la-la dream again. Whatever it is, will you believe? Jesus posed this question to Martha. Martha was a good friend, if you don't know who Martha was. Good friend. She was a sister of Mary, not his mother, another Mary. Everybody had the name Mary. Mary and Martha were sisters. They worked together. They loved Jesus. They had a brother named Lazarus. Lazarus got sick. The sisters and their friends all called for Jesus to come and heal him. And Jesus said, not right now. It's not my time. I'll come later. And Lazarus died. And Martha comes running out there, sees Jesus when he finally arrives and says, what the heck happened? That's my translation. What were you doing? Why were you diddling around instead of coming to our house to fix this? Because I know you can fix, I know you can heal. I know that about you. But I don't know if I believe you can do anything else beyond that. And Jesus told her, this is John chapter 11, I'm the resurrection and life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. Do you believe this, Martha? This morning, Jesus is inviting you to believe in him in every capacity. In those areas that you thought about saying, hmm, this is an area that's holding me back from letting go of that rope and grabbing onto the rock. This is an area that I don't want to believe Jesus. And maybe it's at the core that it's not about morality, it's not about tithing, it's not about you being a good person. It's at the core of, I don't know if I want to believe in Jesus. Ultimately, that's where it comes back to. We don't want to say it as Christians, but when we choose to not do the things that Jesus invites us into, we are saying, I don't want to believe in you. We don't like that. This is a hard word for me. But that's the truth. When I say I don't want to ask for help, when Jesus says, I don't know how many times, do this together. Don't go out on your own. Go out in twos. He says it all the time. He did never, ever, ever wanted us to work things out by ourselves. But I'm stupid. Because I think, well, I'm working with people on all these other things. This thing I can do by myself. But I have to go back to the core. Do I believe in Jesus? In everything that he says? 
or will I only believe in the parts that are comfortable for me? And the thing about it is that when I believe in the parts that are comfortable to me, I believe a lie. And the lie is that I'll climb up that rock if I grab onto the rope. The lie is, if I go sit on the ledge, I'll do better. The lie is that I think I know better. He's inviting you to grab onto the rock. He's inviting for this next week to be better than last week. And it'll only be better because you step into this week with him. Whatever it is, we're going to pray for it in just a moment. I pray that you will let go of that rope and grab onto Jesus. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we thank you that you are a good, good Father who sent your Son Jesus to give us life, to give us life in abundance, to change our perspective of what abundance is, that abundance isn't the accumulated resources that we have at the end of our life. Abundance is the peace that we have in you. Lord, I pray that we would have peace in the families who are gathered here today. I pray that peace would be brought to those families who are connected to these families here today. That we'd be peace bringers to those who need to hear who you are. Lord, I pray that we would be so convicted of who you are that in those areas and those obstacles that we face where we want to grab onto the rope instead of grabbing onto you, that you would breathe peace and courage into us so that we would take a risk and move forward. Change our hearts, Lord. Wherever we are struggling, whether it's shame or fear or pride, or whatever thing was not said this morning but is our thing that keeps us from believing in you, invite us into a deeper belief, a better relationship, one that we can see you more clearly, where the veils are uplifted, and where we can just see how much you have prepared, how much you love, how much you will be with us in this life until you come again. Lord, we thank you that you've taught us how to pray. And so we pray, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.